Welcome to Debt to Cinema. I'm Stephen Maltmanex. And I'm Brian Gillis. Like most people, we love going to the theater and catching latest releases. However, you can sadly put a big dent in your wallet. Fortunately, living in the digital age makes the viewing possibilities endless from the comforts of home. Many of these films that you can see right from your couch, we're ashamed to say we miss, despite labeling ourselves cinephiles. So join us as one or both of us cross off a title from our list of shame. It can be an all-time essential classic. Or an underrated piece of cinema that's worth giving a shot. Hell. It might just be some trashy film we want the other's opinion on. So sit tight and join us as we pay off our debts, one dollar at a time. There's an intimacy involved in playing existence that is beyond description. They just pop your spine with a little hydro gun. Break out of your cage, Michael. I haven't crippled anyone yet. Step into my office. Now I'm warning you going to be a wild ride. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> That's what I got, man. The planning is uh it's, it's not the same. You stole my this joke. Is what you went with a Twitter joke. Yeah. I, I mean, I know you're not on on the Twitter version. I didn't look anymore. at your Twitter, but this was honestly what was just coming to mind when I Facebooked you that one time and I was like, "You know what? I'm not calling this a revival. You know, it's it's not a comeback or anything. I'm here, man. Let's do this." It's just the thing. It's actually really funny because I was feeling a little vain before you um, you contacted me. Because I, I have like a, a Google Home type mm-hmm. smart speaker, whatever, alarm clock. And I found out that you could like voice request podcast episodes. I got into this show called Heavily Pixelated about like video games and how they help you emotionally through like stuff. And so I was like, oh, you, you can say that by name. And so I was like, I wonder... If I said, hey, you know, like, play the latest episode of Dollar Reviews <laughs> podcast, if that would work, and sure as fucking shit, it did. You know, it, it played the Eraserhead episode, and I was like, whoa, and I actually had a girl over when that happened. She's like, "Why are, are we listening to you? I was like, shut up, just let me let me, let me, me zone out here, and then it was like two days later that you contacted me. It was pretty That's funny. That's got to be an off-putting one to start with. Or I, I, I have not gone back to it, but... I, you know, like just that exit, that was a weird time for me just because for the past year without getting too detailed, but I've been in a reboot phase where, you know, my mentality of keeping busy and doing everything I can, uh, lack of sleep just finally caught up with me at a certain point. We were burning the candle on both ends. Like when people ask me like, oh, didn't you do a podcast or do you still do that? And it's like, I did two, three, four episodes a week. For a long period of time, we didn't take any breaks. Like, you, you want to know what a real job is? Because it was like slave labor for a while there. It was fun. And then it wasn't fun. And that's fun to think about it. But, uh, I mean, essentially, yeah, what happened was that I just, I saw that the Existence screening was coming up. And immediately I remembered you saying that was your favorite Cronenberg flick. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to be sure. But I went back to the episode and I was like, I, it wasn't exactly a bet. In my mind it was. But... I feel like we, I kept talking about the possibility of like, yeah, I, I feel confident that I could get a screening and you just went, nah, nah, it's not going to happen. I still feel that way. I mean, I know you got one, but I'm thinking about happened. it in retrospect. Was, was it a packed house, please? Yes. It was a packed house. It Perfect. was a new year, man. Yeah. I mean, it's almost 20 years the day that it came out too, roughly. I saw this uh, tweet literally like, you know, two hours before we started doing this thing. Amy Nicholson was posting a story that she wrote not a story but you know like a expose on 1999 the 
one of the best cinematic years of modern filmmaking, you know, and everything changed. And she lists a whole bunch of films because 99 is a deep year. The Sixth Sense, The Matrix, Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut. Um, yeah, there's The Iron Giant, there's so, Fight so Club. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, it's a big year. Big filmmaker year, like, you know, all of these masters. Um, and I'm looking through this thing, and no, there's no Cronenberg mentioned. There is... There, there's no existence mentioned, and it just kind of reinforced my idea that this is Cronenberg's, like, unknown masterpiece. Yes, The Fly is amazing. We got an episode on that. Yes, Videodrome is amazing, you know? Well, maybe not in my humble opinion. Uh, and, you know, his more recent films, uh, with the exception, perhaps, of uh, A Dangerous Method, you know, looking at a history of violence and looking at Eastern Promises, where is he? Like, I want him to put out something this year, you know? <laughs> this one was one of the earlier ones I saw, just on cable, maybe like 2005, 2006 type thing. And even though I hadn't seen it in 10 plus years, I remembered every single fucking beat. Like, I watched it yesterday. And you know, when that happens to you, when your, like, filmic brain just doesn't forget the sequences... Maybe not remember all the dialogue, but all of the big booms that it, there's a reason for that. I already told you in the past, you, you remembered from the fly episode, I'm sure mm -hmm. other things as well. well. What was your experience like? How, how'd you leave it? How'd you take it? Is, is it still a simulation? I mean, I walked out and my immediate reaction is I got to message Brian and talk about <laughs> doing this. So that should be telling enough. I but you're so, not yeah. alone in thinking that this is one of or maybe Cronenberg's masterpiece because I mean that was basically how this screening started was mm -hmm. basically built up as this great film that was more or less kind of forgotten so I went in with an open mind completely and right away I could see why this was sort of forgotten and how I think in a modern context it might play better than it did in 1999 because right off the bat it's very surreal. Like, you know, the acting is just kind of wooden by design. It's pretty off, you know, which I think just for the sake of taste culturally, or at least there's an entire film uh, audience out there now that knows how to embrace this kind of stuff. Do you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. It's funny, too, because even though this one is under the radar and most Cronenberg's work is, this is on Hulu right now. I watch this. I got, I got like a premium account nowadays. It's right there. I didn't even have to search for it. It was, like, newly added. I was like, holy fucking shit. I added it to my list just days before, you know, you contacted me. Timing, yeah. yeah. No, it was just kind of surreal, kind of weird. I'm not alone here. I think you'll agree. This is kind of a sequel to, to Videodrome. Uh, spiritually, yeah. Um, I, I don't know about sequel, but definitely Not, like, not a true sequel, just... but... Yeah, thematically on like what it is, although I think this one is far more dense and far more groundbreaking. And I think more cerebral video drum. It, it's more singular in that it's criticism of media specifically, but well, it's actually tape. more just yeah on the moving image itself. Mm -hmm. This is the interactive. Just image. A, yeah, it's more interactive. It's and there's a lot more to it. I mean. I can specify it on the end, but this movie was pretty dead on on its portrayal of the cell phone or the tablet, what have you. The pink phone. <laughs> at, at the end specifically, where I saw that, I was like, Hold, this is 1999 and they don't have this yet. And this is exactly how people react to this right now, where they're just staring uh -huh. down at this screen, you know, waiting for something or if people are just waiting at a room, they're not talking to each other. That's just one of the things at the end that burns. I don't want to get to the ending yet because there's a yeah, lot yeah. to talk about there, but 
you know, Videodrome doesn't have any of that. Well, it's just, it's a different era. It's the early 80s. Um, the only big thing back then, you know, in specifics to that film, you know, is like pirate TV and these snuff tapes and the VCR just come out. It wasn't just about what you could catch live, but the fact that you could record it, you can watch it whenever. It didn't matter how bad it was. You know, you could do a mail order, get it, watch it. It was literally, you know, to use our own words, ingesting media, consuming it. Like when James Woods has that chest VHS, like, crevice you know and he, he shoves the tape literally in his body because he needs it he lives off it he's eating it um and to go from just food and mouth or you know like uh, male female ends or whatever like oh yeah i got fucked by it you jump to this where it's like we're fucking each other it's like how does it start we're sitting in this room we're gonna interact with this game pod we're all gonna tether in um, like we're literally gonna be it's literally the intimacy with it where yeah. the game pod is you know it a is living sexualized. creature the analog like a stick mm -hmm. it's literally a nipple it's an umbilical cord like you have you have this socket or this crevice a biopod you know and it, it's, it's and very body whore the, uh, mm -hmm. the port with what's the, it called the XE60, aka WD40. Yeah. But just, you know, it starts in this manner that I don't think any kind of Cronenberg film, uh, with the exception of The Fly, because that one, one is more recent films, um, is so not necessarily straight laced, but, uh, you know, kind of paint by numbers. It, it's, it, it's taking you on this ride. It was supposed to be not a blockbuster, but uh, a wide scope. Um, and this despite how weird it gets or fantastic uh, towards about the middle there, it, it's kind of the same way. Like it has a very slow dip into this world or these worlds or these environments or whatever it is, you know, these, these uh, antenna experiences or pilgrimage experiences or cortical systematics where, you know, I'm, I'm very into this kind of thing. It, it was a big reason why we did Strange Days, but then even before that, it's just like, a, you know, a personal fan, obviously, of, like, Total Recall or The 13th Floor, or, you know, notably 1999, The Matrix. Well, the effect is a little different here. I mean, mm -hmm. I think compared to those, like, or even something like The Fly, when you're watching it as it goes along, you're curious to see where it's going. Oh, I meant in terms of the, the, um, the nature of this uh, interactive world that you're taking place in that there's this theme and most of those films well besides Soul recall being about with 10 this, years there's earlier, mostly the idea too of like where the fuck are we like i yeah. get the basics of what's happening but it's you know and it doesn't really abandon it but you're still there's always something off that's happening in a scene just the sense of reality it's i mean there's a certain point while watching where i'm just like okay no this is it, it's very surreal right when you know you find a cunt a local country gas station is just yeah called local C country, country gas, gas station like, okay and it's meant to be played as humor it's like you know th the way i connected this was like okay this is sort of like a yorgos lathamos flick you know something like the lobster killing of a sacred deer where it's just it's a like, completely surreal reality and you just go with it and whatever it's going to throw at you you shouldn't be surprised by it there's a reason why the performances are being delivered a certain way why the sense of humor is just off and I was just on board going, you know, I'm just going to see where this goes and hope that it delivers. It's like, screw the name of the gas station. The Willem Dafoe's character, the gas man's yeah, name is Gas. gas. <laughs> like, it, it's, it, it's, it's whimsical. It's like, you know, the playing with the little amphibian reptile thing. If that, because it, it totally doesn't hold up now, even though the, the, the creature effects, you know, it looks organic like the biopods and the, and the cords and the other amphibian stuff later on. 
Um, but that was definitely on purpose. You know, you're you're in this very realistic world, despite you know the technology being far past what we had then, or even today, with how far virtual reality has come just since mm-hmm. we've stopped doing the podcast. You know, that if you didn't throw that little dragon thing in there, there was no sense of you knowing for sure, for sure that this is a little bit of a fantasy, and that's when it kind of starts tipping its hat. You know, like you said, with the quote unquote country gas station and yeah. gas and this dragon where you go maybe this isn't it's real. it's one of those things where it's like in the back of my mind i was like yeah but i don't want to act like a know-it-all and be like oh it, of course it's not going to be real because there's also i took the red it, it, it it's one of those things where you know there's those allusions to the ski lodge and then they're just like come on nobody skis you anymore skiing? you know that so this is more like the not too distant future and i guess just the idea where people sort of abandon reality and just accept complete unreality that that might be just the mindset where even gas is like, Oh, you changed my life. And I love the, the questionnaire that comes right after that when Jude Lott or Pinkle, um, you know, asks him, he's like, you said that Allegra, you know, changed your, your world. Why are you still working here? And he's like, what kind of fucking dumbass question is that? Like, <laughs> I'm not here always, you know? Yeah, and he's like, clearly this guy's never played a game before. Well, it's like beyond, I love the fact that they just call it a game here, that there's no other terminology. They don't call it jacking in or virtual reality. Second life wasn't or, a thing yet. Well, even if it was, you know, it, it's just a game. Because ultimately, it is what it is. You know, it's an alternate reality, a virtual reality. But technically, there's a game that they go into and there's a narrative and they have to embrace certain lines of dialogue and do certain things out of their control just to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like they have Which to is, let themselves be driven. So the the freedom of choice of doing whatever the hell you want in this virtual or otherworldly scape, it's not really there. So I get, game is probably the best thing that you can call it. Jennifer Jason Leigh's character, she actually has like a great quip for that where, you know, because Jude Law's gone, oh, like this isn't real. Like the, the free will is kind of fake. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not really buying it. He's like, why do I have to say that? And she goes, well, like, in the real world, we don't really have free will either. And it's true, you know. You work in the customer service industry. I do. There's a certain um, leash that you're on. You might not have a script per se. But in your head, you got an automatic script that you uh-huh. go by when someone comes it's, in. It's like, how free are you? You know, you still have to say hello. You got to ask them this. You got to put on certain pleasantries. And even if you're a total dick, um, you have to do it within reason, you know. But you are doing it because you want to. You're not letting yourself be driven necessarily. Like, you can stop that that program or that mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it any any second you want it's just there are consequences for doing so it happened to me you know today i was amped up on uh, caffeine had a coffee right when my morning started which is very rare for me and yeah no i started having genuine interactions uh with people that were coming into my place of business because i wanted to not because i had to but i was enjoying the conversation you know and it's not every day that something like that happens, and maybe it's because I saw this film last night and other reasons, too. I jacked into something not virtual. And, uh, yeah, people no, People need was, people, man. And I, that, <laughs> I mean that in many ways. Oh, yeah. I was kind of reluctant to watch this last night. You know, I had just gotten off work. I knew that I had to. I didn't have the time today to do it. And sure enough, one of the first things I got I did when I got home last night besides eat was play some video games. And it wasn't anything serious. It was some Pac-Man and, you know, some Tetris and stuff. You know, some, like, pick-up-and-play like arcade type experiences for me watching something like this now like i said even though um i didn't really forget any of it it all seems so familiar still is just kind of the beauty like you said that it's so 
accurate to what we're going on and not just in terms of a uh, like cell phone or what's going on in the real world versus the, the fake world that we perceive but you know virtual reality you know is is still not where I thought it would be or anyone thought it would be but the technology is still good enough where if I am doing a certain game or experience or whatever for a certain amount of time that there's this moment this very scary and unsettling moment when you take the damn thing off where you have to go oh shit I'm still here I'm not where I was anymore and there's nothing else like it on the planet it is a very weird experience it's kind of like when you're at the movies during the day and it's bright outside and you're in the theater for two three hours and you walk Mm -hmm. out it's still bright and you're like oh fuck it's still daytime yeah it's one of those those sensations that I have where it's like I feel like I'm still, to, to some extent, I'm still in the movie. You know, it's like when you mm-hmm. walk out of the dark night after being in there for two and a half hours, and then for like about 20 minutes, the outside world feels a little bit more epic because you still get that score going in your head. Or There's Aquaman. There's a sense of urgency to go. But Aquaman, too, I did not see it yet. I haven't had Go see time. it, man. Uh, if I see it. a Terrence Malick movie, then, you know, the world's a little bit more slower. It's like every single time I hear the wind just brush against like trees Mm -hmm. that's a little bit more heightened for me like whatever sensations that you get from whatever movie you see in a theater it sticks with you because you still have to adjust back to reality for 2018 i think the the three big ones for me were sorry to bother you um (laughs) fucking unfriended dark web and uh whatchamacallit i'm missing it the 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 ramsey film Um, you were never really here yeah those three when i left you know just the sense of let me reprocess i got to restructure my brain really fast what am i doing let me look oh look at that tree oh that's cool oh there's someone in that car um where it it, it's kind of you know it's the same for most media you finished a book and if it's a certain kind of read you just you kind of sit there with like a refractory period you know one of the most obvious ones too is just music you know you listen to a song for three Mm -hmm. minutes and then when you leave it can still stick with you and echo in your head while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing even if the song's like two decades old like shakira's whenever we're never anything which i felt like listening to a couple days ago is like why the fuck do i want to hear that song and i listen to it and now it's in my head again. The song's <laughs> catchy. That should be on the beginning. It's like, don't call it a comeback. It's wherever, whenever on your on your I already phones. started, man. I, there's a close. <laughs> okay, well, I'll be, I'll be curious about that. Because um, what's interesting about this film is this is his last truly original screenplay. Everything post-Videodrome, besides this film, has been an adaptation or based on some kind of true story um, and even if he does have a screenwriting credit like he does on Cosmopolis, well, it's like, well, that's Dom DeLillo's book. You know, it's not actually his story uh, where maybe he doesn't want to do that kind of thing anymore. Maybe he he doesn't um, have the voice that he used to because he's so busy, you know, it's producing the films actually... with his wife and doing this and, and funding and the international lifestyle and I, who knows what it is. But literally, his last two fully written films are Videodrome and this film and it, there's there's more than just sinew and you know like whatever kind of conjoining them like that um where if if i don't know like maybe there's a double feature that someone will, will throw eventually and i'll suffer no. through videodrome again well, yeah I, I mean this got me also curious to just check out cosmopolis again and i'm not entirely sure why specifically maybe just mm-hmm. It's a weird might, movie. I mean, it's it's a weird movie that I barely 
remember yeah. and i'm not even sure if like tonally or, or it might be even close to this i but remember paul giamatti just, being in that in a really weird role and just the whole limo driver thing with like the apocalypse going on was just so strange um more inclined more myself to like uh occupy wall street and stuff like that something at the time. like that like yeah. I, i'm more inclined personally to see maps of the stars again i really liked uh a lot about that film just it's um the it's satirical view on celebrity culture and how tourists like view you know the where hollywood or the movies are made um especially as someone who's not exactly ever been in the studio system not not even with the fly. And speaking of, I, I, I don't know if you saw it on the interwebs, but there's like this, um, it's hard to even explain what it is, but it's essentially, or it was because it's over, like an art exhibit pop-up shop uh, called Slashback Video, where the idea was it's like a late 80s, early 90s video rental shop uh, with the actual tapes on display, but you, know, you don't pick them up because they're quote-unquote art and other things too. Um, they did have this picture I took of uh, a fly poster and it was really really kick-ass it was, it was beat up and had some tape on the corners and some holes and stuff and it, it wasn't like a one sheet for the theater though this was something else or maybe it, it was but i didn't i couldn't tell uh, i was like i'd buy that for 40 bucks like <laughs> just one of those uh, i'll so send you how a, much it was i don't it wasn't for sale you know this this no. is literally it's like i was in a museum type idea but it you was at the buy museum. it afterwards it didn't have anything like no, that no no i did buy a uh an so actual... How much is this piece going for? Twelve hundred dollars. They had some stuff no, for sale. No. Actually, they they truly did. Um, that was, was probably cool. pricey though. Yeah, it was mostly pricey. Uh, but I did get like a little one sheet that I'll, I'll put up on my wall. Uh, it was a fun experience. Like I said, I, I got to post those pictures on the internet. And uh, it's actually funny because uh, br- you know Brandon from Scream One Hundred One podcast. Um, he also went once or twice, and he bought the T-shirt. Um, so for Halloween this past year, because I actually random like life coincidence funny moments like i stumbled into his place of business so and yeah he went to work as like a slashback video uh you know clerk um it was funny seeing that <laughs> image on, on the twitters or in her instagram wherever it was um it was a fun little la let me drive all the way out to burbank to see this thing on the day it closes type thing in the pouring rain too it was really r- raining that day like about a week ago but yeah this it's one of those movies where I really wish I had not a DVD copy, but a VHS copy. I just do, like for this one. Like I don't, I don't know. Just even though I've already seen this two or maybe three times now, who's who's as hell? I, I can't remember. Especially because it kind of folds into itself in the final thirty, twenty-five minutes, whatever it is. Um, where even though I knew where it was going, I was having a hard time following. I had to kind of like narrate or uh, do like quick game recap um, for uh, my co-viewer during our screening and so I was like oh this happened and then (laughs) this happened and then you didn't catch the trout farm like see like they're they're processing these amphibians for their parts so the parts can be used to make the game pods but then down the river they actually serve the fish but then those those fish are actually, you know, that then there's the gun and I don't know if I it's can't really explain how that or works. If it's but, just incredibly but, convoluted <laughs> as it keeps going. Like maybe if I were to watch it again, that could be I could not really put two and two together now. Uh-huh. Like I said, I, I don't know because it's like there's a lot of uh, just the idea of like the the game pods being like uh, they talk about 
how they're they're kind of like animals they're grown yeah. from eggs and it's and it's dependent on human energy to work like you know that was an interesting idea and then it, it gets to the thing with the fish and then everybody's just shooting everybody and i'm once I'm like, they go into the game within the game once they they go to that like gag shop right yeah i'm kind of scared for this kind of shit like you know if especially if you know the forget a dream within a dream you know that's child's play how about you you go into some game or virtual reality or jack biopod and then when you're in that one you go into another one and then from that one you go into another one and then yeah, another like one that, you know the way that they transition from game to game i mean uh-huh. like right when existence like pauses uh at the restaurant yeah, I know, and then he just drops onto the table, which I get is the mattress. It's like mm-hmm. the, you know those transitions. How it's more or less like half of the set, just well, kind of bridging he... into another one. There's no CGI play or anything happening. All that stuff is really cool, and it's really off-putting though when it just cuts to a different place like that, kind of halfway because you're not seeing some slow digital transition. It's more like, okay, here's this. Now you're back here. It's like it's weird and it's jarring, but it's incredibly effective. I don't know. It's just I, I think it's one of those rides where it doesn't matter how good it is; it's never as good as the first time. Even still, I, I think there's some kind of beauty to a film like this where it doesn't matter who you show it to; they're gonna give you some kind of reaction, whether it's love it or hate it. Where you you know me with like the art cinema bias, where I do not like the ambiguous ending, and sure enough, you know you do get one here. But it's not, so, not ambiguous because I think you get the meaning. It's just you get the meaning, but to, I mean, you're able to leave the story at that point. You don't need. You're um, left with the philosophical question that you don't have an answer to. Even without you know the technological parallels between this and and uh, the Matrix, just the you know the red blue bill, a blue pill, like which side of the rabbit hole are you on, like like Zionists versus um, uh, the agents, like these kinds of philosophical debates that are going on in that film that are also very present here just at a a different kind of level like guerrilla warfare level versus like all-out war where it's like it's only like 15 minutes of this film and it happens so fast even in a rewatch where you're like what the fuck is going on where when you finally are kind of uh, taken out of it a little bit like everyone on screen is also talking about like i kind of got confused at the end what was going on with this what was going on like that it's like that on purpose and that purpose isn't exactly known to me but I think maybe it's just to kind of cement the the nauseous feeling of not knowing which reality is which. Where I think it also it it kind of just takes this uh, sort of strange stance. I, I think more just like on addiction in general, where mm-hmm. you know it it's kind of just treating gaming. Or I think just like where on all these levels, it's more critical of it's pretty nihilistic on how it's looking at where society is moving forward. Because I mean, there's just there's those dumb moments like you know the thing with the disease pod you know you look at it and you're just like oh you shouldn't plug into that but jennifer jason lee is like i i want to do it and you know to. that's a bad idea and that's something where you know just that addict mentality of like you're doing something that you know is really bad for you and it's just you know like we kind of all have that in small doses of like oh you know i should stop watching youtube like uh, all right i'm just gonna watch yeah. one one turns into 20 dumb shit like that uh, and then there's more serious ones of like, okay, just one more drink, and then I'm done, and one drink turns into 20. But 
I mean, yeah, it's like that's I'm still not sure what to make of it because it's, you know, as far as like gaming and all that tech, it, it comes across as like or it's it's basically presented as more biological and how more intimate just the experience becomes for people. And it's uh, just I took it just as more of a surreal expression of that until it gets like more tech savvy near the end and it begins to make sense. But um, geez, I, I don't know if I'm going on a rant here, but um. You get what I'm saying? It's like it. No, yeah, totally. It's like yeah, I said, it's, it, it's it's close cousins to Videodrome, like just that how this technological piece of of knowledge or content or whatever is then hybridized or kind of like uh, fused together with the organic self, and you know your worst nightmares coming to be like it here, you know, with the. Yeah the injured or decaying or diseased or spore filled game pods and oh your bioports f- fucked up oh like your neurosurge like oh you like you did this where it's when there's constantly an excuse being made to mm-hmm. just get back into the game no matter what their reality is that's happening which is oh they're marked for death and they're being chased hey let's go to a hotel and play that's what i want to do right now well if you like go which there's reasons justified throughout because she's like i want to make sure my game's okay but it, you know, it's like it does come across at first of like, oh, you know, just a careless like, oh, you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. happening in reality right now. So let's just do this. Or if you, you know, go through his entire career, I think that's why it's so interesting, you know, besides his more acclaimed current films where, you know, it, you got addicted to games, addicted to TV and movies, um, addicted to science and, you know, like uh, crossing the unknown. Um, mm-hmm. But then if you like go back to like his first breakout you know before scanners like you go to shivers no rabbit excuse me um where it's literally just about a venereal disease that like turns people into quote-unquote zombies where you know he's always you know he created for lack of a better word and maybe arguably truly did create uh the you know the body horror idea that you know, we are our, our worst enemy. Like, we are our, our it all worst leads nightmare. To self-destruction at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that this this is one of those movies where the less you say about it, the better. Like, you don't tell anyone why it's cool. You just say, oh, man, like, do you, do you like David Cronenberg? You in a trippy shit? You should check this one out. And that's enough. I think like a lot my... of it also just hinges on the ending, which we can just get into now. Yeah. Because you're going along with the ride, and then once it gets to those final five minutes, you're just like holy fucking shit like split i mean you know which right off the bat you know you talk about how you take off a vr headset and you're adjusting to reality there's that sensation here when they're like out of the game and then they're all reflecting on it and it's there's a sense of relief and also joy because they're kind of just laughing about how like i i don't know i keep imagining that this had negative reviews when it came out because it's been forgotten and that's i didn't even bother to look it up but that's just the assumption i made Ebert and gave it three stars he compared it favorably against the Matrix. He said that this does things that the Matrix didn't do as well. Yeah, I and mean, it, they both were completely different too. I mean, just the, the Matrix yeah. was—it's a fucking action movie, of course, and you know it was revolutionary for other reasons. This is very much forward thinking, and I can see why it's definitely going to play a lot better now. Um, it's definitely worth a look now, you know, because just in a modern context, it plays incredibly well. Even just the reality, like, it's scary how close it is to now. You know, I brought up the cell phones. Um, y- yeah, just the tablets and um, all that stuff. I, I mean, fuck that. It, go, go back further. This is 
pre two thousand. Uh, this is pre nine eleven. Yeah, and you have this event. Um, before you know, active shooting was a thing, and you have to have Jude Law there with his security, you know, a gun to make sure that you know people aren't bringing in. You know, he says, you know, it's for uh, electronic devices, so people aren't recording yeah. this stuff. Like you'd be surprised what piracy can do. And it's like no, like it was actually about a gun. And what's this person have? He has an organic gun uh, that you can't trace with you know some kind of uh, security bypass system, like a, I don't know, like a 3D print gun perhaps and you know throughout the fact that it's made from bones and fish guts and it shoots teeth which and, by you know, the that, way that, that is weird such shit. a cool detail like it's weird but th- that gun is such a cool problem the fact that you get to see them make it too or the fact that the dog that carries it away also is the same dog that is carrying the guns when you get to the quote-unquote reality that the film is set in which by the um, way if dogs pass through security or I, I don't know how does that work do they go through the same crap i mean because i'm assuming since I got, in I got that no church you don't you don't see them going through some so they're easily able to sneak that in but you know something that just for me i know that this wasn't the intent but mm-hmm. the shooting at the end like the, the very very end after they kill them and they're on their way out the door i just got a big like charlestown uh church shooting <laughs> reminder because they go up to a person of color and they point their gun at them and right then i was Wait, just, don't don't shoot me yeah, We're still no, in the yeah game, right yeah and then he and he basically just goes like is this is this real or yeah are we still in the game i know that's not the intent but that just echoed that along with their reactions of everybody else they're just sitting there looking at their phones and they're not reacting immediately just something that What's funny? I, I is, guess has always been a thing, but you know, it, it reminded me of also there was a movie about um, a couple weeks before Christmas that I saw, and the fire alarm did go off. Uh, okay, the DCP the was still worst. going though; it like took worst. a few seconds to not go, and I was ready to get up and go, but people were still just kind of like uh, sitting down, a little confused because there was a voice saying to evacuate, but it was really faint, and the DCP was still going at the same time while this annoying light was flashing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, can we go? But like, people were just kind of like slowly moseying their way on out, and it, it's like the lack of uh, urgency when something serious happens. People just take a while to process it. You know what I mean? I just—that's something got... I brought to that when they were just kind of like still on their phones, just sitting there after the two uh, uh, gaming heads just got shot. Like no one reacted. No, they were. That's not true. I, I think that's uh, a, a week later. Your your memory being a little hazy. Um, no, they're on their No, I remember that specifically. Like they were just sitting there looking. They're in shock, but uh, well, you know, when they get out and everyone, you know, they do the the round robin. And everyone's talking like, oh, like yeah. you know, Jude Law is like, oh, my accent sucks. So if you guys can tell we're in a relationship, <laughs> the guy is yeah. like, oh, I, you know, Eccleston. You know, was he like the the ninth doctor or whatever um right before you did that where he's like well i was barely in it and this guy's like oh, i hated my accent and this guy was like oh this like it got confusing and then yeah sure enough they're all on their phones they're probably like posting about what they just read or what they just experienced and then yeah, yeah once they get gunned down they are kind of Which just that, sitting there you would do that today and that, that's insane how forward thinking that is for well this. they they wouldn't just be sitting there they'd be posting about recording it um, or whatever. Like just yesterday, I was watching some. I don't know if it was Kazakhstan or where, but it was it was definitely one of those where um, these guys in a shop uh, are like prepping a pepper spray, and some guy comes in with like a full on like musket shotgun, you know, like the super long double barrel, um, and they they subdue him with the pepper spray, and you know, it's got like the the Slavic text on it and everything. Um, where even though that was shot from the security camera, 
that it wouldn't be too out of the norm for someone to be there. I'm sure one of them has their cell phone footage of the same event where you can see just the most fucking bonkers shit on the internet now. Um, and it, you know, it's all for the, the celebrity. Like it's all for the mm-hmm. sake of not even 15 minutes. Cause you don't even get that anymore. Those 15 seconds of fame, like an Instagram story is like what, like nine seconds. And that's enough for a lot of people where it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's momentary, but then it's, you know, the next it's one eternal. comes along. It all comes real quick at you. I, I know it's one of your favorite films of 2018 too. Just eighth grade kind of idea mm-hmm. yeah. where it's like, think about the social anxiety that our kids are going to have because they're always on the internet. Like today was the 12th anniversary of the first iPhone. The first iPhone's 12 years old. 2007. Now. Yeah. So if you ever meet a teenager ever again, the chances of them having an iPhone their entire life is astronomically high, which is very scary to think about. No, um, it's it's reality, man. It's real, and we're all gonna have to adjust to that. And it's not like that's the worst. No, thing of course in the not. World. But we'll deal with it. In, yeah. in terms of you know our generation being unnecessarily labeled the millennials, where it's like, yeah, that is true. You know, we did uh, mature at the turn of the century. Like the millennium changed when we kind of changed. Yeah, but even generations that grew up without having a cell phone, when it was just landline mm-hmm. phones, they're just as addicted as we are. You know, when Google Maps doesn't work for them, they freak out. Like I, they're, they're I, just as lost and confused as the rest of us. But the millennial idea or like the term is so widespread that literally anyone that's like between five and our age, like five to 35, you're kind of labeled a millennial, right? But the amount of years that we had under our belt, like pre-smartphone, mm-hmm. creates such a divide there where a film like this probably wouldn't even scare, you know, these 12 or 15-year-olds because they've had the cell phone their whole time or maybe even, you know, if they are like 12 years old, like half their life they might have been, if they have a well-off family, like had a virtual reality headset in their house, you know, um, where it's just like you kind of watch this and they have that Back to the Future moment where it's like, that's a kid's toy. I got to use my hands. <laughs> and it's it's not too uh, much of like, I don't know, just uh, ideological leap. The names of the two main games here are Existence and Transcend, or Transcendent, um, whereas, like, this idea of the existential crisis or to literally transcend, you know, like, they talk about Allegra's other game, um, the one, you know, when Gas is actually talking about it, it was called Art God, because you art God, but also you're, you know, an artist, who's God yeah, or like God is God an artist by creating. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny, you know, um, where, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's like, like it, this isn't going to exactly play well for kids, but I think as an adult film, you know, or just an adult piece of sci-fi it, yeah, like absolutely. Even now, um, like I've said, just it's maybe it wasn't released at the right time or maybe not enough people would have thought about it but yeah at no, this I, point now though like specifically i think it was released at the, at the right time you know right at the end of the century like virtual reality was like five six seven years old at that point and you know as far it as wasn't being what embraced by now. an audience though like well, I, just you know, it was it was a known granted, thing i i saw it with a crowd that walked out like just more or less blown away like everyone was walking out ecstatic and talking about it and just just had that high knowing that they had seen some great and that's you know that that really speaks a lot to how good this thing this was i mean i don't think it was just the experience mm-hmm. like 
I, I think I might be right there with you. Like, I love the fly, but this, I'm not even going to say just my favorite, but like, this is the best Cronenberg flick I've seen because it's so freaking dense and thoughtful and it's it's just packed and there, See, there's a I'm, meaning to draw from there's an idea to draw from every single scene more or less whether they're talking about it or whether uh, you know there's just a design in the game and how that speaks to gaming culture now or just how technology's evolved and how how we've perceived it and interacted with that and the real world it's such a, a divide for me you know between like favorite and best and I can say without a doubt that the fly from like a critical standpoint is probably Cronenberg's best film. I think a history of violence is his most accessible. Um, you know, so I'd say the fly is the most accessible. No the way. Premise is, it's simple. No it's a, way. Are you it's joking? It's a simple high concept premise. Like you got, it, it's, you got it's a scientist violent. turning into a fly. You yeah. got to watch him break someone's arm. Yeah. It, it, it is not like the story is accessible, but that's just what I terms, mean. Like just the concept it's, it's like, easier to sell. Whereas like a history of violence, uh -uh. I think even that movie was marketed as something that it wasn't entirely. It's, it's a weird escape the mob family drama. Sure. But you know, there there's like nothing there that's out and weird and zany or, or better yet scary. Like there's barely even any violence in it. And it's, you know, well, I mean, the fly is Cronen that movie where Cronenberg is playing to his uh, strengths, and it's easy to sell to an, or it's easier to sell to an audience, whether or not they can stomach it. That's the it, question. It's most of his films, you know. The question, like pre two thousand, you know, it ended with this one, where it's like, oh, like, am I gonna like that? Where after this came out, I was like, oh no, this is different Cronenberg, different filmmaker, different kind of films. Like he's really adult now; he doesn't need that shock value. But you know, I, I I have a very special place in my heart for for the fly, and I think it's because it has a very traditional narrative, and it's a a, a monster and um and his love interest film, and uh, you know so many things, you know so many things, and I don't want to talk about because we already talked about it before. They can they can go listen to that shit. Back in a world where, where a screening like this was impossible, it, eh? it's it, it but it, it, you and know here just, we are two years later. It's it's a scale for me where it's like. I don't know. It's like I think this is his, my favorite of his, without a doubt. But I think The Fly is still his masterpiece. Well, but... someone asked about Cronenberg. Like, I'll always point to The Fly right away. Of like, yeah, you know, g give this a shot. You'll dig yeah. this. And then if the conversation digs deeper, I'll be like, well, you know, th there's one I like a little bit more. <laughs> there's this thing called Existence, which, y you know, okay, it it's it's a tough sell. I don't know if you'll no, be into it. Don't even sell it. Like, I I didn't even try to sell this to my date. Like she knew, she knew that you know the podcast was gonna get another episode. I told her that it was happening, but I didn't. I didn't attempt to fucking sell her. She's like, "Oh, tell me about." It. I was like, "No, it's not one of those." And yeah, so we're on. Someone Hulu. has to ask you questions about it. Like you can't really push this on anybody. You, like I think that this is definitely just one of those films, like in, in much in the same way of the Matrix, you know, where if you don't know anything or Fight Club, you don't know anything going mm -hmm. in, and you kind of tip your toes into it. It, it's going to hook you in such a way that if you knew anything, it's going to ruin it for you. Like, you don't want to know, like, Tyler Durden and, and the rules of Fight Club. You don't want to know that shit. Like, yeah, you they, don't want to know how the Matrix works. Yeah. You don't want to. What, what's wanna, real, mm -hmm. yeah. Which you I don't, don't even think the marketing for those movies showed what the real world was at all. Uh, or for that first one. Yeah, anyway. not for the first one. Definitely not for the first one. It was about the bullet time and I know Kung Fu. And it was just like, what is the Matrix? Yeah. 
that was the big question. If only there was a way to kind of put on your time machine goggles and not know that the Matrix is a trilogy, um, plus an animated movie, plus multiple video games, plus you know like theme park attractions type shit and uh, references and you know Ready Player One and and the Lego Movie and stuff like that. If you didn't know that, you know if it was its own thing. Um, like this film, you know, I think this Existence is just one of those lucky cinematic treats, you know, a true debt to cinema. And in people that... could still go into a theater mm-hmm. two weeks ago, or a week ago, not no, knowing for, a thing like, about it and just discovering it. This is this is one of those gems, like beyond just a hidden gem, but gem period where it will never be clamored for or like have like a very loud audience. Like I said, the Amy Nicholson um, uh, piece earlier that I mentioned. She actually writes about fucking movies. Like, you know, big Twitter personality for movies. She didn't even mention this film. And Cronenberg isn't a nobody. Like, most people that know anything about cinema know the name, at least. Or, you know, they know The Fly or History of Violence or Eastern Promises. You know, he's a known guy. He was not mentioned about, you know, like, the pinnacle of modern filmmaking in 1999. um, Where it's just... This is one of those, you know, he is one of those where he's a master, you know, like he knows what he's trying to do. Maybe it's not perfect, you know, like this, this thing really fucks with you and it's supposed to fuck with you. You know, it's a most, uh, it's one of those films that I'll always think about, even if I don't think about <laughs> it always. Like it's just a beauty to its insanity. It's the tipping point for art cinema for me. Like, it, it's got one leg in, oh, this is really artsy. And then it's got another leg in, nah, this is for everyone. They just don't know it. And there's that divide there. You know, it's like a David Lynch type thing where it's like, oh, well, some of his films can be for everyone, but not necessarily. You know, like, look there's at the popularity. There's that thing here too where it'll, mm-hmm. it'll definitely lose you about a little after halfway as it gets messy, yeah. but you're still sticking with it and you still follow the basics. And then when it all wraps up, you get it essentially. Even if you, it wasn't there a hundred percent of the way it never or you don't shot know, itself in the foot. You don't know if you actually get well, it. But I mean, and even then I don't, it's something where, you know, in the world of the game, there's so much thrown at them that I is supposed to serve, I think, as more of a distraction that even they're not supposed to fully get it, and they're still focused on what they're doing. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna push very hard for this. Um, this is on Hulu, right? The fuck now? Like anyone that has a Hulu membership can watch this commercial free for as low as you know seven ninety nine a month or whatever. Maybe there's like cheaper memberships you can get, and it's one of those like. You know how Netflix will release some film like Bird Box or whatever, and it's all that the internet talks about for like maybe two, three days max. Yeah, cause or it's if it's like, like a, a it, yeah, it was the same thing with um, I forgot the a, a Bandersnatch, the Black Mirror. Yeah, no, thing. no one cares yeah. about that now, you know. But like, you know, if it's a bigger film like Spider Verse, where people won't shut up about it for like a week or two, um, where. I feel very strong about the fact, and, you know, this is kind of, like, why we did Debt to Cinema in the first place, I want to say, that if the right person or right people pushed the right people, that this is the kind of film that could definitely have one of those 24-hour news cycles, where they go, did you know 20 years ago that David Cronenberg made this film? 
And, like, it would take not even, like, the, the top of the food chain. Like, it wouldn't need to be, you know, like, Palmer Lucky, like, tweeting about something like that. It could be anyone. They don't even have to be in the tech or film industry. Just, like, someone who who has some kind of web uh, following that, you know, if you recorded, like, still, um, like, moments of this film on your phone and put them on your fucking Instagram, that, like, it, mm-hmm. it could go viral. Uh, where it's like, what the fuck did you just watch, you know? Yeah, no, this will still get attention every once in a while for sure. Maybe. but We, it, might, we might hit just one person <laughs> with this, and it'll be worth it. I, it definitely would be worth it for me. I mean, I, I, that's what I, I like to think about in passing, you know, and think about, you know, I, we used to complain about, wow, why doesn't anyone fucking comment on our stuff, or why didn't we get this? And then I also the, don't think we were very good marketers either. We, well, we weren't bad, but big, definitely could have done more, you know. Um, but then over time, when we did get those comments and the, those people and, you know, those fans and those Patreon supporters and, um, you know, uh, guests and stuff like that, like over time where it was only really about one person. And, and since we stopped doing the show, you know, I'm sure a lot's happened in your life and a lot's definitely happened in mine. Um, we're like time to just reflect and to contemplate and, and whatnot. But just the fact that, yeah, just like, you know, one person, like I started listening to podcasts really kind of for the first time in my life after we started doing the show and like like I mentioned earlier that heavily pixelated show like that's not meant for a big big audience and you know if I'm like playing a video game or exercising or whatever and I listen to that or maybe like just hanging out with my cat or whatever um, just for those 20 to 40 minutes or whatever it is where you just you're like oh I'm not alone you know, and it's great too. you know, if it's like some kind of review or something or they're talking about something that you like or maybe it's some kind of like deep sea diving through like filmic history or something like that. Like if you haven't ever listened to You Must Remember This, you got to like a yeah, I, the Karina Longworth thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. The episode that I heard the other day was um, Lillian Gish, the original It Girl, which is like something that I actually learned about uh, when I took that women's um, studies class the in, back in film school. Like, I knew who she was. I knew who the original that girl was. And I listened to, like, two hours of who she was and her life and her film career and her family and her husband's. And it's like, yeah, you know, Claire Bogue, who, excuse me, not Lillian Gish. That was the one before her. Um, but, you know. It was it, in Wings. It, yeah, the love interest in yeah. Wings, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, she was the hottest hottie in the, of the silent era. Like, not no one was even close. It was her. And, like, listening to her life story um, where, you know, it's not anything like the podcast that we did. And at the same time, it's, like, one person. There's still, I don't know, some kind of magic about radio or the, the spoken word that even five seconds of listening to this is very different from reading anything for five hours even. Um, and I don't know what that is, and I don't know if, if we're going to do it again. But I, I think it's safe to say that uh, anyone that's probably ever seen this thing would buy this shit like it's uh, absolutely right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, for, I forgot we had a rating system that's right there's, there's, films like that's this don't need for, a rating man. system <laughs> they're too good for that like I, no but i mean it you know i i'm glad that i was able to prove you wrong because i was pretty confident that this could have a screening uh which it did and not only that it had a screening where people walked out it's ecstatic it happened a week ago it'll happen again i was listening to um Polly shore on the joe rogan podcast i really hope that biodome gets some kind of resurgence in popularity freddie got um, figured played in a theater too like a, well, see, a year or two ago and that's I'm, one I'm of those sure it was a crowd that liked it so why wouldn't biodome i just fucking i love I know you do, man. biodome man 
Yeah. Like, li- just listening to him lament. If the I fact get a screening that, of Toy Soldiers with a crowd that's ecstatic, <laughs> I'll be fucking happy. Listening to Polly Shore lament the fact that he's not famous anymore, like he's like fucking. I love Adam Sandler, but I was just in Stanley Wexler, and like it's kind of sad to think about, you know. Um, I was like, yeah, feel you, Polly, feel you. <laughs> yeah, his star is come and gone, but even yeah. still, where it's just like, I don't know. Like when I when I think back on it, like the 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 films that we kind of threw at each other on the show. Um, only a couple of regrets, but not not a little, not not well, many. Like across. Uh, I'd have to look at the whole fucking list to be honest. I got no regrets. I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, I'll not, throw not whatever, re- whatever, not whatever regrets I can necessarily, yeah, but, but just like, um, maybe it's just you know, like the conversation went like somewhere where like yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't as good as the film deserved. There's like some West, that it, well, yeah, no, like I West mean, Side Story. You were drunk for West Side Story, you know. No, was I? <laughs> yeah, you recorded that drunk. Yeah, I've or maybe I, had, I know I loved the movie <laughs> and I wasn't drunk for that. No, I um, I, I got that on DVD recently where it's yeah. like a little also, box set you with didn't like a, watch with a script it, in it. I did it. Yeah, I didn't have to. I'm not gonna say that's why, but maybe I didn't have to though. Like, it, no, I, it, hey, hey there, there's just there's some where you're feeling them, and then there's some where it's just kind of like, all right, it's another one that can, but you just keep going till next time. It's like RoboCop three, man. I made you yeah. watch that shit. You know that was rough. I had the worst yeah. recording time recording that because it kept that was I was just not in a good space literally. That was just uh... there was like internet problems. And I think it was just you and Tyler and I like kept cutting in and out and I tried to like pretend like I was in the room the whole time <laughs> and I probably said some that made no sense. Oh, uh, f- fun fun memories, bad times in the moment. He's kind of made it. He lives out here now. He's like yeah time podcaster producer. Yeah, like. He started a new show about uh, like movie soundtracks and original songs for like the late '90s, early 2000s, with like you know Smash nice. Mouth Shrek being like I think the first episode. Um, <laughs> like you know, I'll hit him up eventually. Like you know, I could get to him in probably less than an hour by just you know on the metro. Or it'd be, it'd be fun. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. It just takes a conversation on the internet and like, hey, let's grab a beer or something. Maybe. Yeah. No, but hey, as far as this, I mean, you know, I'm glad I could knock this in the can. I, you know, I'm sure it'll happen again with something. I'm not gonna make any promises <laughs> or anything. But I mean, every once in a while, at where things are right now, don't mind, you know, squeezing out a few little leftovers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope it's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by checking out the Dollar Review Show, where we cover theatrical and streaming releases, as well as give our two cents on anything we sought out on our own, whether that be TV, music, etc. You can find all of our content at dollarreviews.net. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at Dollar Reviews. And we're also on Google Play Music, iTunes, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, just about anywhere on the internet with hours of content available to you for free. But for those of you that feel that the show is worth your dollar, you can send us a donation at patreon.com slash dollarreviews. Contributions not only earn our undying love, but they also make it possible for us to improve our recording equipment and to give you the highest quality episodes possible. But more importantly, they'd be helping us acquire the content to review. You know, trips to the multiplex are expensive, and the more donations we receive, 
the more films we can review for your listening pleasure. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a death to cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis, that's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S, and now you know how to spell the email too, and also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX, and also follow my film diary at Letterboxd under the same name, where I log everything I watch, and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change.